Hello and welcome to another text but in words from Scanline Media. I am your host, Colin Detmar, alongside our technical director, Johnny Niska. Hello. And our senior editor, Ben Uncle. Hey, coming to you live from a semi-deflated aerobed. Well, you're not going to be live when this... Live to tape is actually the term for what we're doing right now, because we're going to record a podcast about Firewatch. So, uh, since I'm, I'm the technical guy... Technically, mm-hmm. it shouldn't this be a review cast? Since or or is it? It really like. I feel like the f- the word review, the term review, has certain implications as to like the thoroughness of our conversation. Um, do you think we will be thorough enough that this could be called a review cast? Mm. You know what? Knowing us, we probably will. Okay, it's a review cast. We will probably talk for longer than we expect. We, we will probably talk for ages. <laughs> We have a history of that. Well, All right, so uh, Firewatch is a recent rele- recently released game from Campo Santo, a uh, newer studio for PC and PS4, and it is a first-person narrative game, I would say, because most of the terms for the type of game it is are terrible. I mean, I would call it a first-person adventure game, but, you know... <laughs> Yeah, like, open-world adventure game, perhaps. But that's also bad. I mean, like, you know, there's the point-and-click connotations of adventure game that get confusing. Um, it doesn't matter. You probably know what we're talking about. So I guess I'll start off just with the simplest of questions. Uh, what did you guys think? I I, <clears throat> I have complicated feelings. I I love the game. Or I, I really, really like the game. Maybe love the game is a bit too strong. Because while I have very strong feelings, it's also, like, very complicated. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about you, Ben? Uh, I really enjoyed my time with it. Like, uh, I, I thought the opening and, uh, like, first day were really strong. There's a kind of a middle part where it feels a little bit too unwieldy with the navigating around the environment and almost sort of directionless and then and then it gets really good again and then the ending i initially kind of didn't like the ending but i'm i'm starting to grow on it as i think about it more i think i went into that game with a different understanding of what that game would be narratively than it turned out to be um and I like the game I had in my head better, but I still enjoyed this game quite a bit. I I I think they they did a kind of um they kind of hid the tone of this game on mm-hmm. purpose. Yeah, but then the tone we got I thought was I to me it felt like they weren't brave enough to have a game that's just about this guy and his struggles like coming to terms with you know a situation in his life and relationships and things and they had to throw in some like thriller suspense and I thought it was unnecessary and distracting and a little annoying ultimately like I I thought they executed on it fairly well but I it felt like like if Gone Home actually had ended up being about ghosts right <laughs> it's like no this that, this isn't the point why, why are you doing this? I, 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 
it, I guess and I'm wrong about what the point was, but I am disappointed at what the point was, right? I, I, I don't think you're entirely wrong about what the point was. I think, the, like, it's multifaceted what they're trying to do here. Sure. I, I, like... I almost would have liked it more if it turned out that the tension was just all paranoia on their part. In in some ways, it kind of not to get too into the ending discussion this soon into it, but in some ways, it kind of is about that. It's the it turn the thriller stuff basically turns into this. It's another way of them reiterating what they're saying about the two main characters struggle with having these skeletons in their closet and coming to terms with they do a very selfish thing being out there and the paranoia and stuff like that kind of plays into the selfishness and when that dissipates their realization that they need to go back home becomes even stronger so I I guess um, before we go too much further I will say this is going to be a spoiler cast we're going to talk about I mean, this game is 90% of what there is to talk about this game is its narrative because that's such a strong focus. And so there's no way to talk about it without spoiling it. I, We're going to do that. I think I think we can, like, th- there's some things to be said about it b- before going into spoilers. I, th- I think that the thing to know if you want to play it is that it's it's a well-written... It's a well-written, well-acted game about two people mostly talking. And then there's some some uh, trailer stuff happening. And there's a lot of walking around in beautiful environments. And quite technically, the game is broken in a few ways. I had some nearly game-breaking bugs. But it seems to mostly work. It's, it's a solid game. And that's mm-hmm. all you we can really say without going into more spoiler territory. Yeah. You watch fires. You're a fire watcher. Go play. Would it be Fire Watchmen? <laughs> hmm. Johnny and I have been having a fun time talking about words and their meanings today. So that one was mostly just to tease him. <laughs> um, so, okay. Um, I feel like the game, like... The stuff with, as you say, like the paranoia of them, like worrying basically that they're being they're being spied on, and like that there might be so, like you know some like the government behind it or some group, and they're trying to you know set them up for these crimes. Um, I feel like it had like for in- one of the things is that it had some issues that were very that felt like clearly the same people that wrote The Walking Dead season one, right? <laughs> like people accusing to frame you of crimes and like it kind of worked but you could tell it would have worked way better if you made different choices earlier you know yeah like there's one point where they threaten to like like basically there's sort of this implication that like you're they're you know these two girls that you had to go down and, and yell at to stop shooting fireworks because you know it's the Shoshone and it's, you know, fire season and that's really dangerous um, that they've disappeared. And there's sort of this implication of like, oh, God, like what you're the last person to have seen them. This could be all on your head. And boy, you you behaved really reprehensibly. And it's like, no, actually, I didn't. They called me an asshole and yelled insults at me. And I was like, you really need to not do that. 
and then basically walked away. It's like, no, I really didn't <laughs> fucking do anything that you can call me out on. Thanks. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say that I did things that would be considered reprehensible either, but there were there was still bits like I was basically taunting them like, hey, I took all your beer, I took this really nice alcohol, and, I pick, and I'm taking all this back with me, ha, ha, ha. I, I didn't... Yeah, I mean, you have options for it. Yeah. But, like, the game doesn't really seem to... Like, the framework... It, the, the thing is, it builds on that encounter, I feel like, are really a variable effectiveness based on what you picked earlier, right? Hmm. It feels a little like this... It's going to build the same structure on top of that foundation regardless of the nature of the foundation, you know? I never even... Which is something that Walking Dead did a lot. Yeah. I, I think I think Firewatch does a better job of that m- uh, most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of stuff where basically it keeps track of what you say to Delilah ma- mainly. And basically everything I say said to her I felt like it accounted for in a natural way. There are the actions you do that aren't talking to her that sometimes feels like the game doesn't fully account for. Mm-hmm. And as long as we're talking about Walking Dead comparisons, I feel like the whole Ned stuff, at, especially at the end, felt really like the 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 guy from the end of Walking Dead season one. I don't remember what like the bad guy. What what do we all agree on calling him? What is his? That works. He's, he's also the voice on the other end of a radio or tape or something like that. That which has somehow, which has somehow also been keeping track of everything you said, and use, it's a handy little way of the game saying like, "Ho ho, we remember what you chose here," and it's written down on this piece of paper. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a slightly different form of the same trick pulled again. It, right. did, it didn't feel nearly as artificial to me in this game, though, as it does in most of them. Oh, for sure. sure. It, I, it, 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 in Walking Dead 1, like, I straight up thought it sucked in Walking Dead Season 1. I thought it was really clumsy. I, I, um, saw, I saw a video of that part just a few days ago. I've never played through the entire Season 1, and I was just kind of floored by how clumsy that was. Mm-hmm. And I certainly think they did a better job with Ned, but, like... I guess, like, I don't know, I I feel a little discouraged that they pulled the same trick again in their breakout game as a, you know, as their own studio. Um, especially when I don't feel like the trick worked that well the first time, you know? Yeah, but maybe that was their, like, we want to do this right this time. Sure, sure. Either way, like, I I don't think that's the biggest problem with the Ned plot. The The... To me, the Ned part of the game is the part that doesn't work entirely. And it's because he spends so much time threatening you and setting you up. And then in the end, he just shows you everything. He leads you to the cave. He tells you what happened, or at least his version of what happened. He shows you where he's... He shows you where he's been camping out all these years. And the the showing you the cave part is the only part of that, to me, that doesn't make sense. Like, 
the way he expresses himself in that recording he leaves for you at the end of the game is that, like, most of his actions were to scare you away from looking at the cave, right? Yeah. And once you'd seen the cave, it's sort of like, well, fuck it, the jig is up, who cares anymore, right? So, like, him explaining himself thereafter, giving his account, showing you his, his base, which he has now abandoned. Like, sure, at this point, he's like, fuck it, I'm leaving, I, you, you win, I give up, I'm getting out of here. Also, that base but, is like, going to be covered in fire. <laughs> yeah, there's also that. But um, the fact that he just, like, one of his cunning plans to get rid of you is to trap you in the cave with the very thing he's trying to keep you from finding really makes no sense. Yeah, um, hmm. There, there was a weird, one of the, the weird discrepancies I had between, between what uh, I experienced and what the game sort of seemed to be aware of was that just like the in-game day before, he, he shows you the backpack. I was in that exact area and the backpack wasn't there. And when mm. you get there, the dialogue... Henry doesn't acknowledge that he's seen that exact spot before. Uh, so you feel like... like, I mean, the game has is pretty good, generally, about, about like in conversations, if you've been a place before or had a conversation about an object before... That comes up, yeah, right? Yeah. There, there was the the thing the game does is that most of the time it will give you an option to comment on the fact that you're somewhere, and if you comment on it, then the Lila will remember it and bring it up in conversation. But there was no such such thing for that area. It was like you, I just went through the bushes, and it was just a, a rock, the rock wall where you later find the backpack, and there was there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's just and the backpack, like, that that could just be the whole. Oh, he's screwing us this again, and it's already implied that he's been doing that. So, but the backpack has the keys to the cave, and the, like the cave is locked up and has his son's body inside. And he, as he presents it, his entire motive for everything he does is to keep you from finding the body. Why does he give you the keys? Also, the the dialogue they have when you when you pick up pick that up is sort of like, what what's he doing here? Like. And knowing that it wasn't there yesterday, the player character should have known that, like, no, this was planted here for me to find it. And also because, like, there's the, um, like, you get an item, I think it's called, like, the wave receiver, which basically picks up, like, wireless signals and then you track them down. And, like, the reason you find the backpack is you wake up and the thing is going off. And it wasn't going off before, so clearly this signal was just activated. Yeah. It's it's a super, super obvious... Like, there is literally no way it could not be a trap. It is literally impossible, given the setting. I think that in some way, he didn't really need to... At some point, at some level, he didn't need to keep hiding... Hiding this stuff anymore, because at the, by the time that you get the keys and all that... The fire has already been raging for a bit. It's already knows he already knows where it's going to go, and to the point where, by the time everything starts coming to a head, the fire is to the point where it doesn't matter whether they know everything is going to be burned to shit anyway. He's like, "Go ahead, take a look at my base. Take a look at all this. I'm gone. Don't try to find me." And yeah, but I, but that doesn't make that's still like okay. So if everything's about to be burned, a then you don't have to stall for very long. 
stall for a little bit longer, all of this will be burned, no one will know. Like, you say, like, well, okay, all of this is going to be burned, and and all that'll happen is two people who know, and who know who I am, and generally my area, and could send people into the forest, like, law enforcement after me, will get out on helicopters. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, I feel like it could have worked if they gave it more time. I feel like there's, like, the the frame of, uh, actually, I kind of want someone to know turn there. Sure. And it's not developed enough. Mm-hmm. I do think one kind of neat thing that they do with, um, in terms of the way that they kind of change the environment over time with this, in regards to what we were talking about before with, uh, being like, oh, I remember you talking about this before. It also keeps mm-hmm. track of everything that you decide to keep when you're going around through it. So, yeah. like, when you pick up a hat or you pick up a candy bar from the one of the little lock boxes throughout the environment, you'll wake up and then the candy bar wrapper will be on your floor and... Especially towards the latter half, when you start picking up all the documents he's been leaving for you, they start getting plastered to the wall in this conspiracy theory kind of way. And there's a bunch of little nice touches like that where it feels like your Firewatch Tower is your Firewatch Tower. It's going to be different from everyone else's. It feels really lived in by the end. There's a part where that delusion breaks for me, and it's when you actually need to leave and you're packing up, and suddenly the your you as the player are tasked with, with picking up the last couple of things he's taking with him, and I'm just sitting there like going around the tower trying to find the things, and like mm-hmm. not being sure if I missed anything, and that's the point where it's like. No, actually, he would know, but because he, I, as a player, suddenly gain control, this is a really weird moment where I have suddenly have no idea where my stuff is. Yeah, and also, like, one of the things, this is a really, this is a fairly small consideration, but one of the, like, sort of unofficial collectibles in the game is the books, right? Yep. You can fill out your bookshelf, and if you get a book, you can't put it away. You have to hold it in your hand and run back to the tower and, like, you'll open up crates, like, supply crates, where there are, like, three books. And you have to pick up a book and run back to your tower and deposit it and run back and pick up another book. And I was, like, I was initially interested in the book collecting. And the first time I realized I was going to have to run back and forth and back and forth and back and forth three times, I was like, no, fuck this. I, I didn't even consider that as a thing worth doing, to be honest. That's fair. I didn't know you could do that. I just, I picked up the books and then <sighs> just left them on the ground. <laughs> okay, I guess I'm a crazy person. Um, <laughs> I, I I thought it was kind of like, oh yeah, no, Henry reads books, I can collect books for him, that's kind of cool. And it's like, so, it's a real pain so in the ass. I, I know that at least some of those books is written by one of the characters from Gone Home. Are all the books from that series, or? No, no. um... Like, I'm, I didn't look into it too much, but, like, there's, there's, there's obviously some stuff that's original for the stuff. There are some, like, there was, there are some references to other people in their lives. Um, like, I found, like, for instance, I found a note later on that, like, the last word is the, the person mentioning a, a person named Duncan, and then the note is signed Fife, and someone <laughs> they talk about a lot 
is Duncan Fife, who is their tech person for their website, Idle Thumbs, right? Yeah, he's also their like, uh, quartermaster for the Campo Santo Quarterly Review. So I feel like, um, like it, I feel like it was. It's mostly like references and in jokes are those books, and I could be like also some of them are just real books, right? Um, real actual fiction from our world. Um, I think most of those are. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, public domain. But yeah, it's 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 a real widespread of what they're referencing and and calling back to and so on. Okay, so I, we've been talking a lot about the middle parts of the game here. I mm-hmm. I I want to talk to you too about the opening. Okay. I. So, before the game came out, they've been showing off the first day, basically from the point where you get to your tower. Mm-hmm. Before there, there's a, like a several minute long sequence where it goes through, like the events. With the main character, whose name I've totally brain farted on right now, by the way. Henry. Henry. And his wife, who is slowly losing her memory. And... Yeah, she has early, she has early onset Alzheimer's, so Alzheimer's, she's getting dementia. That's right, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That was so much heavier than I expected. Yeah. I... And... It was almost enough to knock the wind out of my sails for that game. I felt really like, oh, maybe this isn't the game I wanted to play at all. I don't know. I feel like it was a really smart decision that um, that ended up being a real boon to the narrative itself. Because with these sorts of stories, you normally get this sort of thing eked out over time. Like, oh, what was his past? And that would be sort of rolled out in a steady fashion. You get all of that up front, and that informs how you play as this character. That informs the way that y- you act most, in the way that's most true to him, in a way. I agree, and I feel like, I, f- I kind of feel like you're both right. Like, I also, I came out of that sequence, like, feeling kind of discouraged about playing, right? I was like, man, that was, that was a pretty pretty good gut punch to open with right like fuck if the game is going to be like this i don't i respect it but i don't know if i want to play it right mm-hmm. and then i feel like the game gives you time to recover from that emotional gut punch right like the opening parts of that game are not that stressful and it's just kind of like okay we hit you with this heavy thing up front so you understand what this guy is about what he's like what kind of guy he is and the situation he's in and I feel like it lends everything that happens more weight. I feel like knowing that and having known that the whole time makes pretty much all the character interactions richer. And ultimately, it's a good thing. But in that first, like, ten minutes, it's rough. I, I think it takes I think it takes a, a bit for it to start paying off. Like, for the first day, I felt like it felt really heavy-handed and not worth it. And But slowly as... The relationship with Delilah keeps going, and you learn, you talk more about all of that stuff. It it was the right choice. It was so good, and yeah, I, it was an investment. It was an investment, and usually when a game pulls something like that, it doesn't pay off at all. And I was really, really impressed with how well they managed to 
turn that around, that first impression. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and also the... It's just speaking from experience from someone who... Uh, my grandmother, um, the one that... Uh, I mean, one of my two grandmothers, one that kind of passed away during my childhood, had uh, Alzheimer's, and the way that they portrayed in this game is so remarkably accurate to both the way that people who have it go through and the people who are in their lives. Like, there's this line at the end, one of the optional lines when you're talking to Delilah over the radio. She's kind of trying to get you to go visit your wife. And the line that I chose, and it's delivered so perfectly by the actor, is she won't even remember me. And... Mm -hmm that just cuts through everything that has been building up in Henry's mind for the last 10 weeks. And it's a perfect summation of everything that he's been fighting. Yeah. I, but, yeah, but... I, I, I love that moment. I, I really loved it. I, I've never known anyone who's had Alzheimer's. I've never gone through that. So I, I, I wonder how you feel about that. Then, like, do 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 do, do I lost words here? <laughs> Sorry. Does the way that they portray like the guilt and his struggles with that does that feel all? Does that all feel real to you? I'm not sure if the guilt would apply because this is a very different situation because it's someone that he married and someone that he ended up feeling like I can't I can no longer care for this person in this way and it was this very different sort of it's a it's a similar but also very different connection than a grandmother and a whatever the I think Godson, maybe. No, that's different. Um, but it, it's grandson. Grandson, yeah. Uh, I, to to me, like he was. Ta- he ta- he keeps talking throughout the game about like how he shouldn't be there, and well, he can. He doesn't have to, <laughs> but you get the option a lot for sure. And he well, he keeps thinking about it, at mm-hmm. least. And to to me, it's like. If she doesn't even remember him, and she's with her, with with her family, who doesn't even want him there, I I I I think I think I I just felt really strongly that he needed to do what was right for himself and not for anyone else at that point. I I, I didn't have quite the same. Obviously, I didn't have a completely comparable situation. I have never been married, um, and we don't need to get too much into my personal history here, but um. I had a grandmother who was living with me and my parents in California, and they were they were away at work a lot, and she had had a couple of strokes. She was not 100% there, and I was her go-to guy. Like, you need to go to the grocery store, you need to run an errand, you need someone just to hang out and talk to for a while. And then I moved away. I came to Illinois instead of California because it was time for me to, you know, get a job and make my own living and, you know, have a life. And pretty shortly thereafter, she died. And I had some pretty complicated feelings about that. 
I would say guilt is one of them. You know, and that stuff that stuff isn't logical. Yeah, yeah. And that's part of what that's part of what Sean Vanneman and Jake Rodkin, the you know, two of the lead writers on this project, have always been so good at is they really do an amazing and convincing job of portraying human relationships and human conversation and just sort of like the drama of the mundane, right? Which is what made me so disappointed to see the like the thriller element. Because I don't feel like that's where they excel. Especially when it's really it's really easy to get caught up in it's really easy to get caught up in the characters going through that too eventually like okay I'm on board let's see what's you're planning and then that sort of fizzles out and I do think that again goes back to how kind of brilliant it is that the arc of the player is somewhat mirrored by the arc of the characters as well but it's still a pretty lousy feeling to end a game on I like I think it's exactly the right note to end the game on. And like it's it's not a you're right, it's not an uplifting ending exactly. But the game isn't about finding a solution to a problem. It's about coming to terms with the fact that the problem exists and you need to deal with it, right? Like nothing has changed about his wife's situation that we know of from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. As far as we know, it has been pretty stable. She has dementia, and she is living with her family in Australia. And it is quite simply just, at least the, the with the ending I got and the choices I made, Henry sort of building, building up the courage to face how hard it's going to be to deal with that. The, and I thought that was kind of incredible. That That's certainly one of the arcs. I I feel like with with games with these many choices and it, it's always like something like this is go always gonna be up for interpretation even in a quote unquote non interactive medium like what what uh, Henry's arc is really about is complicated it's about several sure. things and exactly which ones of those things take precedence depends on depends on which choices you make I think and it's not Mm -hmm. like it completely changes who he is but for me the arc of Henry was realized was coming to terms with the fact that his wife is no longer the person he loved and she doesn't even recognize him and maybe the right thing to do is to just live for yourself from now on. Hmm. And like that that's how that game ended for me. Henry sitting in that tower asking Delilah to come visit him and saying that he doesn't know if he'll he'll want to go visit his wife because he doesn't know if it's the right thing. Hmm. And I I think that's I think that's I'm really glad that the game accommodated that because it's so easy to just fall into the well, it's the thing that on paper is the right thing, so obviously it's the right thing. But maybe it's not. 
I, I don't know, like, how Henry would react, of course, but... I found myself in my own life that sometimes the best decision is to just walk away, even when there's there's things left unsaid, left undone. And I don't know if that this is one of those situations, but I'm I'm glad that it at least left that open as an avenue of possibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me change gears for a second and ask you a question. Um, regarding the gameplay of the game, uh, the Monsanto or Campo Santo, not Monsanto. <laughs> uh, Campo Santo doesn't have a very big staff, and so the number, like the number of people that worked on this game, I thought was around a dozen. Right? It wasn't a ton of people. Yeah. Um, that's of course not counting some of the assistance they had with publishing and such. Um, and one of the people on the team is uh, Nels Anderson, who previously worked on uh, Death Bank and then was sort of lead like systems and gameplay design on Mark of the Ninja. And he's self-described as more of, you know, like a gameplay-first kind of designer, right? Yeah. And he's also talked about how in Firewatch there was there was a goal to make that game, like, more than just a walking simulator, right? More systems-focused, have more in-depth gameplay. How do we feel like they did on that front? I, I think that the interactions that they put in the game were all well measured and well thought out i think that the it took a while for me to get used to the way you you select dialogue choices but i mm-hmm. feel like that all works out and i think the ways you interact with the environment and uh, cl- climb through things is mostly really well done i i think the part where it breaks is they they made a reasonably large world here and it sometimes has a bit many invisible walls uh, for, for hmm. me uh, the parts of that that kind of broke for me were it, it's that thing where you can't get to a certain area but you know where a certain area is that you will need an item and once you have that item, it's like, oh, I'll go back all to here, here, and here. And that's especially true for the axe. Like, you see certain trees that are already sort of broken, and you'll see a little grayed out, oh, chop the rest of this all the way, and it plays out the exact same way every time. And that, that kind of went against everything else in the game, which feels so handcrafted for each individual action, and... So, here's the funny thing. I saw that animation of cutting down the tree once. Me too. I didn't know that there was a single more uh, uh, additional place you could use it. Oh, I knew. But by that point of the game, I realized that all the side paths didn't interest me at all. <laughs> like, I wanted to, like, I wanted to hear Delilah's thoughts and, you know, Delilah and, and Henry's conversations about things along the way. I radioed about everything I saw. But I realized that I was going to do enough walking and that what was at the end of any optional areas was frankly not, like... I think the name of the area is Hawk's Rest. There's a, a an old uh, watch point, I'm not sure what you would call it, a lookout point that you go to that's been sort of like burnt to a crisp and it's a cabin that's sort of charred and burnt out. 
and you go in and you have a little conversation about Delilah where she sort of hints that there's like a dark secret to that place and ooh, it's haunted and you're like, oh man, there's probably going to be something really cool in here. There is an interesting little interaction where you almost get bit by a raccoon and that's it. Also, there's a guitar that you can pick up and throw. You can't play it, but you can pick it up and throw it. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, okay, like this is fine. I'm not upset, but I'm not going to do this again. I never actually um, saw that part. Like, I I didn't know. I never even ran into that specific thing at all. Oh man! And then, like, at several other points in the game, uh, like at the end, when you're talk when you're talking to Delilah, and she says, "Oh, I can," you know, like I see your car. Like this, you know, this is your truck. This is a piece of shit. And she says, "There's a raccoon in it." And Henry says, probably the one that bit, tried to bite me earlier. <laughs> and, like, some of the little callbacks with that are pretty good, because that's one of the things the game does really well. But I feel like the mechanics of the game were not... Like, they, they never got in the way, which is a good thing, in my opinion. But that's almost... I wish they'd done a little more with them, you know? For sure. I, I really don't mind. The part that I do mind is, like... When it literally breaks. There was a point where I... There looked like there was a path where you could walk up a lodge... A, a, a log and, like, skip up an area. And mm-hmm. I walk up the lo- log and then eventually it's like... No, this is too steep. You can't walk up there. This I turn around and then... Then I get stuck. Like, I'm stuck on the log, and I have to wiggle the analog stick to slowly, like, inch my way down. I got stuck on the exact same log? Yeah. Uh, I have no idea what either of you are talking about. It's in the in huh. in the the southeast, in the, sco- in the um, Boy Scouts camp. Oh. And... Yeah, I didn't even try that. And, yeah. And then there was a, like, I... There were two or three points where I went up on a rock that's like a few centimeters sticking out of the ground, and he just gets stuck on the fucking rock. It's like, oh my god, what is this? Yeah. The rest of the game feels so crisp. What is happening? (laughs) Well, I don't know that I would say... I I feel like the rest of the game feels pretty good. Crisp is a little too strong given the number of times while rappelling or rock climbing my feet clipped through the wall. I don't yeah. think I noticed Just that Just a little once. bit, but and then, I had it a couple times. And not real bad, but I was sort of like, hmm, I noticed that. Okay, that's fine. The, re- the really big one I had, like, was in the same area to the south, I went to that place with the tree early. Mm-hmm. And I walked away from there, and then I just noticed something in the, my peripheral vision disappearing, like unloading. And I turn around, and the entire world to the to the west of there is just gone. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I've seen this happen in games before. Often, if you walk back into the area, it will try to load it again because it realizes it has to load it. Mm-hmm. No, I just fall, like... <laughs> Infinite Pit had to reload. Oh, that sucks. It's such a weird freak bug there. Yeah. I hear the PS4 version is kind of a mess. Like I played it on PS4. I mean, I had that like I had that issue with my feet clipping through, you know, a, a very not not even like one in six times when I was rappelling or climbing, I would notice my feet go slightly through a rock. But like 
think that's basically the only issue I had. So huh. I have the mo- I have important questions for the two of you about the two most important decisions in the game. Okay. What did you name the rock slide? Widowmaker. Widowmaker. Me too. What did you name the fire? Flapjack? Yep, Flapjack. Same here. <laughs> Seems <laughs> like we all know what the great choices here are. I know what Henry would pick, let's say. And also they I mean, had that um, discussion course. about the Flapjack guy earlier. Yeah. Yeah, it's like if you if you chose to to be like disparaging about Flapjack, then perhaps you wouldn't name the fire that. But I played it so that he he really liked that yoke, or that hmm. that quip. So one thing that I feel like much much to do has been made of is the art direction by Ollie Moss, and uh, I don't Ollie Moss is sort of like the the art lead is my understanding I think on the project obviously there were other artists involved including someone whose name I'm afraid I don't know how to say it's Jane and then her last name is just N and G and I don't know how you'd pronounce that I'm very sorry about that yeah. um, Ollie Moss was uh, simultaneously a story writer and the artist so he he um, he did more broad stroke story stuff while Jake and Sean did more of the dialogue stuff um, but you know, like I feel like we we know what his art style looks like as people who use geekier parts of the internet. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of his personality is all over the art style of that game. Yeah. Um, and how do we feel about the finished product and the art style on that? For the most part, I absolutely adore it. Mm. There, there's there's that section where it when it clips to a new day. It's just Henry sitting on a rock watching the sunset across a ravine. It's, that's, that's a really beautiful moment. And that's one thing... Sorry, I should have... This is going to be real quick. One thing that I really did enjoy is that they were... like It's not like every day is of equal length, right? They were very willing to occasionally use their, like, their day, air quotes, um, just to be like a single scene while Henry is doing something and talking. I mean, like... And I really liked that choice. They have... They they skip so much. I mean, he's there for quite a while. Yeah, totally. And that, that's the thing that I found really amusing because I I listened to them talking about the game pre-release and they were like, oh, and then your life goes to shit and you don't actually get to do any fire watching. He spends a lot of time just fire watching. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um. I guess the thing for me, like, the reason that I wanted to bring it up is, I don't know if this was, maybe this is why people are saying PS4 is a mess. Um, On the 80th day, the last day, when sort of there's smoke everywhere, the fire has gotten out of control, and you're doing a few last things before you bail, that whole day just visually looked like garbage to me. It looked really bad. It looks pretty good from my PC, but, uh... It, it, uh, like, it's... The art style doesn't hold up as well under the smoke as it does otherwise, but there wasn't anything technically wrong, at least on the PC side for me. No, there wasn't like a frame rate issue or anything. It's just sort of like the the way the smoke blended the colors together. It just all looked really muddy and bad. Yeah, I I think I think that was that. That's just how it looks. I think. Okay. Yeah, I 
I thought the art style was mostly really gorgeous, but there were a few moments like that where I feel like it kind of fell apart. Also, I'm really sad that I never found the turtle. Yeah, I, I did find that, I think. I, I adopted the turtle. Where was he? I don't remember. Uh, okay. I did find two Dark Souls references, which was pretty weird. Oh, God, I'm glad I did it. Like oh, the, God. There's a specific book that has a title that's very, yeah, this is a Dark Souls thing, all right. And then if you um, if you go to that Boy Scout camp, right next to one of the logs is that uh, Bloodborne symbol that you see in the corner all the time. Carved into well, one of the not, boards. I'm not super familiar with Bloodborne, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> hmm. uh, I just... I, I, if someone is somehow not aware that's listening to this, I really love Dark Souls, but I hate that the references and the fucking comparisons are everywhere. Yeah, you kind of hate that Dark Souls isn't just Dark Souls, that it's becoming a bigger thing. Yeah, I, 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 I hate the bigger thing it's... The, the franchise entity it has become. Right. Um, so, I don't know, I feel like... like I'm pretty content with what we've said. Does anybody have any other like thoughts they want to get out before we wrap this thing up? Yeah, I just uh, mm. I... So I want I wonder if it's in my playthrough it was clear that Henry and Delilah were becoming more than friends. And okay. I wonder if it like at least early on you get a lot of options in how to approach uh, their their friendship and I wonder, like, is it possible to play it in a way where they're, like, clearly just friends? I, um, I think probably the, the way I ended things was probably more close closer to that. Like, not clearly just friends, but, um, basically the way it ended for me was that Delilah, like, Delilah was clearly interested, but also sort of, and, like, and, and I basically, at in the last conversation, like, I'd had Henry holding off and being like, no, nah, I can't, you know, um, like not being out and out about it, but kind of like, I, you know, I'm married and I love my wife and things are, things are weird, but I'm loyal to her. And, um, kind of in the last conversation I had Henry be like, Hey, you want to, you want to come down to Boulder? And she's, and she kind of, it was the performances in the game are amazing. And Delilah did an amazing job. That voice actress did an amazing job of, of nailing this line where she's basically like, I would love to, but I'm just going to visit as a friend because I think that's what you actually want. Hmm. It was a really good moment. I, nice. I didn't get that. I, I got, like, I, I asked her to visit and she thought about it for a moment and said, she was gonna do some things in the city she lives in, but she may very well come by after that. She mm-hmm. didn't mention anything about like being just friends or anything. So I'm, I'm I'm glad I'm glad there's some variability to that. Then. Yeah, I had a during the scene where you're watching the fire t- out together in your respective uh, towers during night or whatever, I kind of had a scene that ended with them doing sexting over the walkie-talkies. Okay, yeah, I, I never got that. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, mine was definitely her being like, and hey, you know, maybe we should have a drink after this. And it's Henry being like, wow, you're cool, that's a bad idea. No, 
yeah, my for mine it was like uh, for me. So. they basically go. Um, I wish I could be over there with you and spend time with you. And then I'm like, well, what, what kind of time would you like to spend? And then she goes, well, and then it cuts. Oh, oh, I see. I yeah, I didn't choose that option. I was a bit more. Mm-hmm. I I I didn't play him as ex- that explicit. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I ah, God, I I love their I love their relationship. I love how they interact. It's so well written, and I I don't know. Like I felt like the game sort of half expected you to not be a huge fan of Delilah from the start because somehow some of the responses are written, but like I I I I adore them, and I did from the very start of the game. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, like, I, d- I certainly didn't, like, I think I started out kind of neutral on her, and, like, so I avoided the more hostile responses, because, I mean, just who I am as a person, I'm going to avoid hostile responses unless you give me a really good reason, right? Yeah. Um, and then I start, and then I started to be more like, oh, no, you're pretty cool, not just, like, you're a person, so I will treat you humanely. It's like, oh, okay, actually, you know, you seem like a good friend. Um... But yeah, I I enjoy both the way they portrayed that relationship and sort of the the variation that is allowed while still making like all the ways like you guys all had your in-game relationship with Delilah turn out a little differently than mine and all of them seem very in character for me anyway, you know. Yeah, the the it's it's so it's so well done. It's so well done. And uh, I I Towards the end, I, I talked a bit with you, Colin, about this earlier, but I I was really sad that they never met up in the game. Not because I wanted to see what Delilah looked like, but I was I got so invested into like into them that I really wanted to see them meet. Mm-hmm. And while I, I like I just. If I take a step back, I can see why. Like, no, it, this this makes the better game. This ending is is the better game ending. This would it would be weird to have her show up at the very end, and it would it would alter players' expectations and like view of her in the very final moment. That that would create a very different tone. But I I really wanted them to meet. <laughs> <laughs> I was still sad that that never happened. It's. It actually, t- saying that kind of brings to mind. Uh, I don't know if either, if if either of you played through the entirety of Sunset, that uh, Tale of Tales game that came out. And no. okay, basically, it has a it has a somewhat similar unseen relationship between two people, except it's basically. A rich man in this country, along with um, you, his housekeeper, and they do have this thing at the very end that's like that hints towards, hey, he wants you to stay for the night just to um, to have a dinner and stuff like that, and you you end up just staying in the apartment if you want to, and then it just ends with you waking up in the apartment and he's already gone, and. It, it's a very similar sort of... I think there is something to that. This idea of 
this character who you interact with only only within a very limited context like you either don't see them in person or you only get notes from them or only talk to the radio through them I mean only talk through the radio to them and it kind of you can kind of feel it stretching a little bit in parts like there's no reason why at the end of sunset you do not see him at all but as a whole, it can create these really interesting narratives that you don't really get a chance to see in many other types of media. Mm-hmm. I like the I I like the I like it as a as a thing. I think it's sort of like it's a mechanic for getting around how hard it is to make believable humans that <laughs> you interact with in real time in a video game. And I mean, like, every medium has its crutches and techniques and ways to get around problems. And this is just one of those. And I, that, that creates its own style, in turn. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Firewatch nails it almost entirely. I mean, like, I'm, I'm always going to be sad that, that I didn't get the ending I wanted for them there. But I, I can totally see why. I can totally see why. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I know this podcast is getting to be a bit long, but there are a few f- more things I want to touch on. Particularly, like, in the middle and, like, early middle of the game, I... I felt really anxious. And not like, oh, I, I felt nervous about how the story was gonna go. This game affected me on a level that's like, most horror games cannot touch me this way. I felt really <laughs> anxious down to my fucking bone about the thriller element, and that's why I can't entirely get aboard with the criticisms of that thing. I think it was very well done for the most part. I think the resolution isn't good of it. But mm-hmm. I, 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 I thought when it was still this thing where you weren't sure if it was real, you weren't sure exactly what was happening, that was... The, the atmosphere that created the, the 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 contrast between that tension and the, the relationship between Delilah and Henry was super fantastic to me. The way the ten scenes traded off with the light-hearted banter was fantastic. I, I mean, I guess I wasn't like like I think. I, I I can't remember which of you expressed like a thought process that maybe it was like paranoia on his part, like thinking in in the time that it was like, oh no, like something happened, and now he's sort of like paranoid and being a little delusional, right, about the events that are happening. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he got the name of Wapiti Station off of the clipboard, a name he didn't have beforehand, and would have had no way to know, mm-hmm. like completely put that out of my mind. It's like, no, this must be real because he got information he otherwise wouldn't have had. Oh, like. I'm not saying that he... I didn't think he was hallucinating. It was more like, mm. early on you're taking like these individual scraps of weird things and putting together a picture of it, and that picture might be completely out the window, for all you know. Hmm. And I, I liked it more before you became more sure about what that picture looked like. Even though you're wrong for a lot of the time, I, I liked it more when it was more murky. 
I guess, like, my problem was, like, I mean, the way they tied everything up, like, I don't, I'm not very happy with, I'm not super happy with the conclusion of that arc, but I'm happier with it than I am with where it seemed like it was going, because the idea that any actual professional organization would give a shit what these two Firewatchers <laughs> are talking about in the middle of the day was, like, actually making me roll my eyes, it, it's, right? It's, it's, uh... It's a tale from out of Fallout, not out of Firewatch, you know? It's a tale from out of fucking, like... Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone. It was like, it was like I'm really glad it turned out just to be a crazy person, because if it was anything but a crazy person, it would have been dumb as shit. I, I, it, yeah, I, I... And so, I like, that, that, like, me thinking that that's where it was going kind of ruined the tension for me. The one part where I felt pretty genuinely tense was going back to the cave... And it managed to incur a response from me that I've had a couple of times in my life, which is like, I'm going to go confront this thing. There are decent odds that it will kill me. So fuck it. I've made my peace. I'm going to go do this head on and either I will die or I will not. And there will be no more uncertainty. And uh, I, it's a grim approach, but and it's impressive that the game made me to get to that place again. So I, I can't believe we you talked say about impressive, all... and I'm like, maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe this you shouldn't have played this game. <laughs> I'm like, I had that feeling for Henry, right? I wasn't like, I need to play this game, and maybe this game will shoot me in the head. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> I, um, I I can't believe I've talked. We've talked about all this stuff, and I kind of forgot to talk about the most one of the biggest parts of it for me was when you when you get out of the cave the first time and you end up finding the little stash of the kid. It's this amazing moment of you get to see this kid's interests and his obsession with Dungeons and Dragons and the way that he created all these climbing diagrams and stuff like that. And then once you finally have that gear and turn right back around to get in, you just feel the pit of your stomach drop out when you walk to the bottom of the cave and see the kid lying there in a fashion that looks remarkably similar to the diagram from before. it And it's a moment where my interactions, I mean, my emotions and the character's emotions seem to be totally in sync because it felt like I had discovered this amazing kid and had his... and basically basically saw his hopes, his dreams, his aspirations, his talents, and just saw all of that crushed in front of me immediately. So, and the rea- yeah. I, I had been thinking he was dead for a yeah, while. And th- finding, like, it's like I didn't expect to find the body myself, I guess. I expected to find out he was dead, and finding out in that moment was like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, I... I, I... It was clear from to me from the very first time uh, you encounter anything that's to do with him that like no this mm-hmm. kid is fucked. Yeah, yeah. So like I'm glad that that arc paid off for you, but to me it felt it felt really predictable. The the, so. the thing that worked for me about it was having to tell Delilah. Yeah, having to tell Delilah like she really liked that kid. And having to tell her that you you saw you saw his body, and he, th- that was rough to me. Yeah, not only mm-hmm. did she like it, him, she also 
was part of the reason why he was out there for as long as he was. And because she effectively kept him a secret, he none of that ever got out. And you can immediately see that as soon as you leave the cave, like, you know that she's going to take it personally. And when she does, it's so hard to watch. Yeah, and... It was a bit predictable. I still think it mostly works. It's mm-hmm. even though even if you expect that the kid is probably dead, it's like stumbling across a body is a traumatic fucking thing to have happen. And I think Henry handles it in a in a way that's pretty realistic. Sure. All right. I think that's I think that's what we got for you guys on Firewatch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I could keep talking, but at this point, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. What is the point? What are we even doing here? Why any of this? <laughs> uh, Firewatch is about a, I would say, a five-hour game, maybe? Um, it puts maybe a little less than that or a little more. for but... me, but I'm the person who plays through games fast. Also, I... Yeah, I don't, like, I, I didn't have a timer. I was... But... Also, I got lost for, like, 40 minutes because I'm terrible with directions. <laughs> I... I... There were a couple of times where they told me to go to one creek and I went to the wrong one and was like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> um, so I did have a few a few moments of getting not lost, just misunderstanding, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's it's a pretty short game, um, but I think it doesn't overstay its welcome, I, I, right? It tells the story it sets out I, to I tell. Think, I think the note to end this on is that it's a pretty short game and it does and it does so much with that. Like, it, this game couldn't mm-hmm. exist as a 20-hour game, and this is what we're buying with by allowing ourselves to... or allowing the industry to create these things that are smaller, that are more compact. We're allowing creators to actually make more focused products. And that's mm-hmm. fantastic. And I... Like, given its legacy, given... Nels Anderson's involvement and all this stuff I kind of expected a, a, a meteor game um, but I guess I'm kind of glad I didn't get one yeah me too me too so. alright well I think that's it for us here at Scanline Media you can find us on scanlinemedia.com where we have other you know, podcasts videos articles we're all just we're all about that games criticism uh, if you want to go to patreon.com slash scanlinemedia you can throw us a few bucks uh, we're not for profit, so that money would go towards new hardware or software to keep us covering games. Um, and thanks so much. You could also find us on iTunes. Uh, any ratings or reviews you want to give would be really appreciated. And also, if you want to tell a friend. Um, and I think that's it for us here. We'll see you next time. Okay. I have stopped recording now. To-